0: My name is Lydia, I'm from Thyatira, and I sell purple. When I first met the Apostle Paul, he howled with laughter when he heard I was from Thyatira. Now, you won't know why that's funny. You probably don't even know where Thyatira is. It's in Asia Minor, and no, that's not where I met him. I met Paul in Philippi, where I live now. Me, the children, and the servants. When Claudio died, I. Claudio. He was my husband, but before that, he was my owner. (laughs) It's not as complicated as it sounds. You see, I was a slave. Claudio was a merchant traveling around the empire selling purple dye, which comes from Thyatira in the region called Lydia. That's where Claudio bought me. It's also where he gave me my freedom and made me his wife. I took my freed name, Lydia, from there. Claudio loved me and accepted me for who I was, even when I was a slave and had nothing. It was my first chance to see what real love looks like. We moved to Philippi and ran the business together. When he became ill, I cared for him. When he died, he left me the business. It Seems like so long ago. It's unusual, a woman running a business like this, but not unheard of and, well, Dyes and pigments, taught Claudio taught me everything he knew, which was a lot. I've done very well. Even so, it hasn't been easy. I've never been fully accepted by the other merchants, a woman, an ex-slave at that, running a business in a household. But my name, Lydia, always reminds me of home and of Claudio's love for me. It was here in Philippi that I discovered the Hebrew religion. The gods that I grew up with were every bit as foul as human beings. You bribed them with offerings and hoped they didn't bother you. The best thing was to stay out of their way and hope they stayed out of yours. (laughs) I remember how we used to frighten each other as little girls. Don't be looking too pretty or Zeus will have his eye on you. And you know what Zeus is like with pretty girls. (sighs) Growing up, we were always hearing of plagues or exploding mountains when the gods were displeased with this or that the stories of the Hebrew God, oh, so different. He cares about us humans like a parent cares for their children. He took the Hebrews under his wing and stuck with them, even when they were disobedient, disciplining them and delivering them from the war chariots of old Egypt, even with them complaining the whole way. Zeus, he would have fried the whole nation to a crisp with a thunderbolt. Instead, this I am, prepared a land flowing with milk and honey, and he prepared his people to live in it. Imagine that. Now that's someone worth calling God. Anyway, about 20 of us in Philippi worship the Hebrew God, but because most of us are women, we didn't have the quorum needed for a synagogue. Miriam said that in such a, in such a case, it was traditional for us to meet to worship near a river or creek, convenient for ritual washing and other ceremonies. Those Jews, they will wash anything you haven't nailed down, and some things you have. We wash ourselves, we wash our hands, any pots or vessels. I've come to associate the sound of flowing, laughing water with the Jewish God and the promise of flowing milk and honey. Claudio once told me about a philosopher who said something about a river, something about time flowing. Oh, it made me shiver. His religion, my old religion, hurries by you while you just stand there. It doesn't need you. It doesn't have much to do with you. But the God of flowing milk and honey, of living water, how different, how warm and sweet and alive. And it felt as if, I don't know, almost as if he were preparing me all along for this, for him. But as I said, it's traditional for Jews to meet in a place near water So when Paul and his friends came to town and learned there wasn't a synagogue, he came looking for a meeting place like this. What he didn't expect was to meet me. I was among Hebrews living in Philippi, but no one would mistake me for either a Jew or a Philippian for anything but a Thyatiran. And that's why he laughed so. I thought it was just coincidence, but he didn't. You see, he had been planning to go to Thyatira, he felt strongly he'd had an appointment to give his message to people from there. But God sent him a, a vision telling him to go a different direction. <laughs> he laughed and laughed to find out that he had been right all along. He was meant to share his message with someone from Thyatira, just not in Thyatira. i bet he also didn't expect that someone to be a woman. <laughs> Laughing like that, I thought I'm kind of odd. He had a message about a Jew named Jesus, which at first didn't mean much to me. But before he told us his message, he listened. He listened. Now, that got my attention. Not many people listen to me. Maybe because I'm a woman, or maybe because everywhere I go, I'm different. You'd think it would make people curious. How in the world did you get here, Lydia? (laughs) But no one, especially not the men, ever ask. Some ignore me. Others try to impress me by talking about themselves. I think even some of my friends assume I'll feel less like a foreigner if we don't talk about my slave days. But not talking about my past makes me feel more out of place, even less at home, less accepted. I try not to let it bother me. My wealth has brought me plenty of friends, or at least acquaintances, but no one gets close. No one really knows me. I have the house, the children, good food, my business. Since losing Claudio, I'd convinced myself it was enough. But Paul, he listened. He wanted to know my story. It didn't make him uncomfortable, and what a strange man. He had lots of friends who were slaves or used to be slaves, but he knew wealthy people and city officials too. So he didn't act superior about my background, and he wasn't threatened by my success. We talked about him and his visions too, It was clear that he often felt as though he didn't fit in either. He was very, very Jewish, of course, but also a Roman citizen and now had become a follower of Jesus. But he often felt as though he was never really at home and he didn't really belong. And I remember saying to him, that's exactly how I feel. I don't belong anywhere either, really. Here I am, a Thyatiran living in Philippi, a former slave running a household, a Gentile in a Jewish place of prayer, a businessman who is a woman. Sometimes I said to him, I wish there was somewhere where people didn't care where you came from, didn't care whether you were Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. And he just looked at me with this knowing smile and said, well, as it happens. And that's when he told us about Jesus and his gospel. And what good news it was. I'd been right about the Jewish God, but what he had done in the past was nothing compared to what he was doing now. Well, no, that's not quite right. It's like the same signature, the same handwriting, the same dye, but a much deeper hue. The love of the Father expressed by giving his son for us, for me. Oh, dear Claudio. Forgive me for the times I didn't love you like I should have. And thank you for forgiving me, Jesus. I'd lost who I was. I thought I could be accepted and loved for my wealth and success, but that becomes like any transaction. You try to give as much as you can, try to get as much as you can from someone else while giving away as little as you can of your own. That's not acceptance. It's not love. It's just more business and it doesn't give anyone what they really need. But I know now that in Christ, God accepts me as his child, not for what I can do or make or sell, but for who I am. He has given everything freely. There's no more bargaining, and that frees me to respond with everything I am freely. I'm accepted for who I am, and what I have becomes useful too. The church meets in my home now, and I can even use my wealth to help feed and care for those in need. Do they deserve it? (laughs) No, but thank God none of us will get what we deserve in the eyes of God. No one deserves or earns what they get in Jesus' kingdom. Everything is a gift. Everything was created to be given away, not earned or owned or hoarded. What you have, you don't spend it like it's an entrance fee. What you have becomes a response, a thank you, a thank God that's not all I am. I understand now just how Paul felt when we met. Remember how I told you how he howled with laughter when he found out I was from Thyatira? Well, Paul, God prepared Paul to speak to a Thyatiran, and he did in a place he didn't expect. And God prepared that Thyatiran to receive his message. The Lord God doesn't just give us a gift, He prepares us to receive it, working and shaping us for a lifetime sometimes. And when we do receive it, undeserving as we are, He Himself has given us the response. You see, it's all His, even the thank you. Because when I do respond with everything I am, well, He's made me all that I am. It's all His, all of it, the gift, the search, the finding, the response, all his, all his, grace upon grace upon grace. And so now I know who and what I am. I'm no longer some ex-slave, semi-Jewish woman who runs a business. I'm Lydia, a follower of Jesus. And now what can I do for you?
1: the Apostle Paul had many unusual experiences that brought him into contact with a wide assortment of people. He was shipwrecked, he was jailed, which is always an opportunity to meet interesting people. He traveled to many regions on the rim of the Mediterranean Sea. Now, sometimes he didn't know exactly where he would be going or even why, or who he was supposed to meet when he got there. Nevertheless, When the Lord prompted him to go, he went because he trusted God to show him what to do. Well, one night Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia, which is modern day Greece. This man was standing and he was begging to Paul, come over to Macedonia and help us. Of course, Paul believed that this was a call from God. So he and three of his friends embarked at once for Macedonia. However, the trip to Macedonia was not easy, so they traveled by boat, and they were forced to make several stops along the way, including this one in Philippi. Evidently, there was no synagogue in Philippi, so when the Sabbath came around, they went down to the river to find a place to pray, and that is where Paul meets Lydia. Now, it's important to know that Lydia is not a Jew, but she did worship Yahweh, the God of the Jews, the God of the Old Testament, whom we know today as God the Father. As Lydia listened to Paul's message, Luke tells us the Lord opened her heart to the message of Jesus. And right there on the spot, she and all the members of her household were baptized into the Christian faith. Afterwards, she invited Paul and his friends to her home. She said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And they accepted her kind hospitality. Incidentally, Lydia was Paul's first convert in Europe. It's a beautiful story and a reminder to us of just how important Christian hospitality can be. Now, if you had asked Lydia, did you just... Happened to be there when the Apostle Paul came down to the river to pray? <laughs> How do you think she would have answered? Was it providence or coincidence? God's hand or mere happenstance? Obviously, you can make a case either way, but I believe that Lydia would have said it was providence. God brought me to that spot just so I could hear the gospel. I believe that Lydia would say her encounter with Paul was providence because Lydia was already a person of faith, even before she was exposed to the gospel of Jesus. Lydia was a Gentile, but she was a worshiper of God. She was seeking after God. So it wasn't any accident that she was down at the river engaged in a prayer meeting when she encountered the apostle Paul. Lydia was hungry for God. Now, I belabored this point today for this reason. Our land is filled with people like Lydia today. There are fine, decent people, particularly young people in our society today who are seeking God. Now, they have little or no church background. They may have even been turned off by the church at some time in the past. They may have even been hurt by the church sometime in the past, but they hunger for God. Maybe they hunger for God because, well, they've seen the bankruptcy of other approaches to life. Or they're disgusted by the hedonism and the materialism of our greater society. They want solid values, life-changing values. They want something that they can depend on as they wend their way through life. And we, the Church of Jesus Christ, have exactly what they need, the love and the truth of Jesus. And so we need to encounter them where they are and share genuinely and generously what God has done in our life. And if we do that, God can and will use our witness in a marvelous way. You know, I love a story that Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross tells about a woman that she encountered when she was writing her famous book on death and dying. Now, part of her research involved interviewing dying patients in the hospital, trying to find out just how they felt and, and what they thought as they faced death. As she went from room to room in the hospital, she began to notice a remarkable pattern. Sometimes she would go into a dying person's room and the person would be calm, at peace, and tranquil. And she also began to notice that often this was after the patient's room had been cleaned by a certain hospital orderly. Well, one day the doctor happened to run into this orderly in the hospital corridor. And the doctor said to her, what are you doing with my patients? (laughs) Now the orderly said, Well, she thought that she was being reprimanded by Dr. Kubler-Ross. And so she said, I'm not doing anything with your patients. No, 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 responded the doctor. It's a good thing. You see, after you go into their rooms, they're at peace. So I just want to know, what are you doing with my patients? I just talked to them, the orderly said. You know, I've had two babies of my own die on my lap. But God never abandoned me. And that's what I tell them. I tell them that they aren't alone, that God is with them, and that they don't have to be afraid. Now, let's imagine that you are a patient in that hospital, and you have reached a low point in your life. And then a gentle and caring hospital worker comes in your room And while she cleans it, she listens to your concerns. And quietly, this orderly shares with you that she was once in your situation, and she reached out to God, and God was there, and God helped her through a really bad situation. And you're you're helped by this genuine act of caring and sharing. In fact, you come out of that hospital experience a stronger person than when you went in. It changes how you deal with life. Now, later, as you look back on that entire experience, how would you explain it? Was it just a coincidence or was it providence that you encountered this woman in your hour of need? Well, in truth, it was both. It may indeed be happenstance from the world's viewpoint that you were assigned to that particular room where that Particular woman was working. But it was also providence. It was God's guidance. Because God was working through her, reaching out to anyone who would heed her calming and reassuring message. That's exactly how St. Paul looked at his life. He had many adventures, and not all of them were pleasant. But he knew that wherever he was, God could use him. And so when there was no synagogue in Philippi where he could worship, he and his friends looked for a place down by the river where they could at least join in prayer. And when they encountered these women and realized that the women were seeking after God, they knew that God had brought them to this place. And so they shared the message of Jesus from their heart. And the smart Successful woman named Lydia responded to their message. She and all her household were baptized and became followers of Jesus Christ. And if you had later heard Lydia tell her story, my guess is that she would say, I was so blessed. One day I was praying with my friends, and God sent me a messenger, a man named Paul, and God changed my life. My friends, the Lydia's of this world are all around us. They're waiting for you and me to reach out to them with the love and the truth of Jesus Christ. Each one of us can be a tool of God's providence and grace if we just yield ourselves to be used of God. If we simply look at every conversation we have as potentially a God-sent opportunity to make a difference in someone's life. Then we will realize that, well, there are actually very few real coincidences in life. Many of these so-called coincidences, well, they're really acts of providence, acts of God's guidance in disguise. I hope you find a few coincidences this week. Amen.